It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, along with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, the pandemic continues. Georgia's pre-K program up and running with a few different looks, and we're supporting school-age children doing virtual learning with child care scholarships. Plenty of things going on, and it seemed like a good time for one of our sit-down chats with Commissioner Jacobs. This is how we actually started Decal Download back in September of 2018. We have begun our third season, believe it or not. And as you know, we're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, our YouTube channel. Commissioner, occasionally we like to gather up questions that we find across our social media, comments we receive, and then ask you to respond. So if it's okay with you, we'll do that for this episode. That sounds great. I'm ready to go. Well, we're coming off our 10th annual Georgia's Pre-K Week with Voices for Georgia's Children. This one went virtual, but still a big hit with teachers and kids. You know, it was important for us to continue Georgia Pre-K Week, especially since it was our 10th anniversary of joining with Voices for Georgia's Children um, to highlight uh, Georgia Pre-K across the state. And I will have to say that our team at DECAL and the team at Voices have done an incredible job of really getting creative uh, so that Georgia Pre-K Week could still be a very exciting week for um, not only policy um, policymakers, our local and state elected officials, uh, but also our teachers and assistant teachers and the students. Um, I did a visit at the beginning of Pre-K Week, a virtual visit, and um, the students were so excited. They had no idea who I was, um, and they were just coming off a fall break, but they were so excited. They were so engaged. The teacher did an amazing job of navigating the whole virtual environment for four-year-olds, um, and so I know that that excitement had to have carried on um, for the rest of the week, still getting those stories in, um, and of course, we'll share them, but we've still had great participation, lots of contests. Um, our host for the week was Coy Bowles of the Zach Brown Band, who's written two amazing books, um, that we use in Georgia pre-K. So all in all, it was a fantastic week. And I have a feeling that even next year, when I know we will not have to be virtual, we'll probably use some of the uh, the virtual things that we did because they were just so well-received and so easy to do and provides a little bit of flexibility for folks in their busy schedules. Yeah, you know, we talk about all of the elected officials who participate with us. Many of them recorded videos of them reading books And I think the classrooms and the teachers have enjoyed that because you can use them at any time. You're not imposing on anyone's schedule. That's right. Yeah. Use them anytime you want. And I'm sure they'll be up there for years to come. (laughs) You can go back and say, who was that reading that book back in 2020? A year we will never forget. Let's face it. Speaking of pre-K week, we have two new Georgia's pre-K teachers of the year, the public school winner is Heather Melillo from West End Elementary School in Rome. Private Center winner is Alderine Healy with the YMCA Paulding Early Learning Center in Hiram. And I know normally these are in-person surprise visits. You show up, Callie is with you, Susan Adams, our Deputy Commissioner of Pre-K and Instructional Supports, lots of other folks with balloons and cake. This year, Zoom calls. 
Yeah. You know, when you say it like that, it sounds really disappointing. Um, but we really wanted to continue our Georgia pre-K teacher of the year program. And um, so we did just as normal. And the only difference was we had to do a surprise announcement via zoom, but it was still really exciting. They were still, the teachers were very surprised. Um, they appreciated the recognition and uh, maybe we will get a chance to see them um, soon in person in their classrooms. Um, but Reg, you were, you were there for the first time um, to actually see the excitement. what do you think? I thought it was great. I, you know, if you can pull off a surprise uh, via Zoom, I think we did it. Uh, you know, they told them that uh, they had a three o'clock meeting on a Friday afternoon, three and 3.30, uh, with their pre-K specialist, which I'm sure, let, let's be honest, initially they probably weren't so happy about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Friday afternoon. Maybe they put two and two together, realizing that they were one of the six finalists, and this came down to uh, an announcement just prior to pre-K week. So hopefully, you know, there was um, uh, some understanding that maybe this wasn't just your regular visit. But uh, yeah, uh, both were very emotional. They had a tremendous amount of support from their teams. Uh, they had representation at the highest level, school superintendent, uh, principal, you know, directors of the program, people at a higher level, all there to recognize them. And um, it, was, it was very moving. I have to admit on a couple of those, got a little lump in my throat. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really exciting and it was great to see their excitement. And they seemed very surprised. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know them uh, the remainder of the year. Absolutely want to do that. Uh, we were able to talk with uh, Alderlene and Heather uh, shortly after they were named on Friday. And uh, we asked, what does it mean to you personally to be named Georgia Pre-K Teacher of the Year? Hi, it's Heather Melillo from West End Elementary in Rome, Georgia. Being named Teacher of the Year is such an amazing honor. I am still trying to process the fact that I am the 2020-2021 Pre-K Teacher of the Year. Wow, I am just truly humbled by this opportunity. I am who I am today because of the people in my life. My best friend had a hunch that my meeting Friday was more than just a meeting, so she rallied a bunch of my teacher friends who cheered on the top of their lungs when Commissioner Jacobs told me that I was selected as this year's Teacher of the Year. The support and love I receive every day pours into my teaching. My students are loved. They do not just know it, hear it, and see it. They feel it, and I get the same back from each and every one of them. My students and my assistant are a huge reason I am where I am. I love to learn and I love to teach. And every day I thank God for blessing me to be where I am. I'm excited to be an ambassador for Georgia's pre-K. I can't wait to share what works well in my classroom to help all of my students become successful, not only in school, but in life. Hello, my name is Alderin Healy, and I'm from the YMCA Paul and Early Learning Center in Hiram. I am honored to be named the Georgia Private Pre-K Teacher of the Year. I would like to extend gratitude to the management and staff at my center and at the Northwest Family YMCA who have supported me throughout my career at the Y. I will share with you how much this means to me and update you on my current class. I also want to reinforce the importance of the pre-K program. Firstly, I am proud to be the Teacher of the Year and I look forward to representing the Georgia Pre-K program 
where I've spent my entire teaching career for the last 10 years. The magnitude of this recognition is not lost on me, as I'm aware there are many remarkable pre-K teachers in the state of Georgia. So, to be acknowledged is both rewarding and humbling. I'm looking forward to the role of ambassador as I'm anxious to use this platform to inspire and encourage assistants, leads, parents, and the community. I can do so because at one point in my life, I was a member of each of these audiences. Being the Georgia Pre-K Teacher of the Year is a feather in my cap and will help in my career development as I seek to be an adjunct instructor at the local college. My intention is to prepare future educators to enter the field with realistic expectations and the tools to unearth talent so that all their students can achieve their full potential. I am excited about this school year, and despite the challenges associated with this pandemic, we are committed to ensure that our students and families have a rewarding pre-K experience. We are conducting face-to-face instructions with new rules and procedures that the children have remarkably adapted. Keep on your face mask is a new class rule, and working and playing in constant clusters have fostered relationships and teamwork. How is your class meeting right now, and how are things going so far? We have been teaching in person since the very first day of school of this year. We have taken every precaution to keep everybody safe. While my classroom may be set up a bit differently and my teaching methods may be different, my love of teaching is still able to shine through in everything that we do. We're wearing face coverings and physical distancing as much as we can. The beginning of the year was a little bit overwhelming because we all have been inside for about six months. So being in a small space with a lot of people was hard to not want to hug everybody and be in everybody's faces. But now that we just finished week seven, our rituals and routines are in place and my babies are learning and my babies are loved. Our new normal still allows us to provide instructions to address all domains. But my challenge is readily understanding my students as they try to verbally express themselves behind the mask. My strategy is to over-articulate using exaggerated body language to effectively communicate and encourage students to speak louder to compensate for the muffled sounds. There are more screams of enthusiasm and air high fives to compensate for the hidden smiles. But I do miss the interactions with the families and the parent engagement activities. And as we celebrate Pre-K Week this week, what are the most important things people should know about Pre-K and its impact on young learners? As we celebrate Pre-K Week, the most important thing that I would love for everybody to know about Pre-K's impact on young learners is that Pre-K is an amazing place for children to be. In Pre-K, we learn kindness, grace, love, how to be a friend, how to self-regulate, how to express ourselves appropriately, just to name a few. We learn through so many different avenues, such as play, hands-on, listening, watching, peer teaching. Pre-K is such an important stepping stone for every child. 
I wish every single child could start their educational journey in pre-K. Pre-K is truly a wonderful place to be. We are able to set these young learners up to love learning and to express their curiosity for new and unfamiliar topics. I am excited about the opportunity to highlight the benefits of the pre-K program because I believe it is the foundation of a child's educational journey. It doesn't matter what type of house that is built. The strongest part of the building is the foundation, and the foundation determines what type of house will be built. In pre-K, we provide opportunities to build social emotional skills as they develop relationships, learn conflict resolution strategies, and how to self-regulate. We create experiences to teach them about their communities and encourage their inquisitiveness as they explore the world they live in. In our classroom, we create an environment where students are comfortable to be creative, curious, and confident. The instructions are enticing and exciting to encourage the children to explore and express themselves. The intent is to incite innovations and make learning interesting and fun. As early childhood educators, we believe that all children have the capacity to learn and our goal is to help students unearth talents. The well-being of today's children affects the future vitality of our community. The Georgia Pre-K program is a lifeline to many families, and I am proud to be a part of this program, which allows me to prepare future leaders today. Yeah, congratulations to Heather and Alderine uh, again, and uh, we will see you one day. We'll <laughs> see you in person not just via the video screen. Well, we know COVID-19 has had an impact on Georgia's pre-K program this year being offered in traditional, virtual, and hybrid classroom settings. What about enrollment? What are we seeing there? You know, we knew we had to be flexible with what Georgia pre-K looked like this year. And so that's why we offered the three different options for classrooms to choose what they thought best for their families that they served. So we just got um, our initial look at enrollment and it is down uh, a little bit this year. Of course, we're expecting that just seeing what's happening in local school systems across the state where um, enrollment is down across the state for whatever reason it, it may be. Um, we don't have the exact numbers, um, but we're, we're still seeing a lot of children. I mean, we're still, we'll still, we are still serving tens of thousands of four-year-olds in pre-K, um, but I don't believe we're quite to the level of 80,000 that we're used to. Yeah. Are you thinking parents are just not comfortable with their children being involved this year, regardless of the choices available, maybe based on their own personal situations working from home? Yeah, you know, I think that's part of it. That's what we're hearing from a lot of programs. It's just parents are not choosing um, to do Georgia Pre-K this year. You know, there's a lot going on in everyone's lives. Uh, and um, Georgia Pre-K, unfortunately, may not be a priority for whatever reason it might be. You know, a lot of parents are juggling virtual school, um, maybe for their older, their older children while also working from home. So adding a four-year-old onto that could be difficult. But the good news is, um, if parents are not choosing Georgia Pre-K, we still have uh, Georgia Pre-K activities called Georgia Pre-K at Home that we post on a regular basis that they can easily do um, with their four-year-old at home so they're not missing out and they're still prepared for kindergarten going into the next year. And a little bit of trivia or you know, just information you might not be aware of, we talk about it occasionally, Pre-K is not required. It is a parental choice, um, very advisable. All the research points to it being 
extremely advisable for your child, both pre-K and kindergarten. But I guess in Georgia, you're only required to show up for first grade. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, neither pre-K nor kindergarten are required by law. Obviously, um, most parents choose kindergarten, and I would say a large majority choose Georgia pre-K, but neither are required. And I think those are probably when we see, you know, the stats at the end of the year, those are probably the two grades um, that we'll see um, the biggest drop in enrollment. Mm Mm-hmm. Since the program was piloted uh, in 1992 under then-Governor Zell Miller, more than 1.6 million children have entered kindergarten better prepared to succeed. And is that the overall goal of the program? Yes, uh, that is the absolute number one priority for Georgia Pre-K is to make sure that children are ready for kindergarten. Um, And that's what Georgia Pre-K does. And our research um, from UNC Frank Porter Graham backs that up. Um, It shows um, over and over again, the research year after year shows that Georgia pre-K students are better prepared for kindergarten. They're making gains on all areas of learning above and beyond what would be expected of typical development for a four and five year old. So um, yes, children leave Georgia pre-K ready for kindergarten and that is our number one goal. So we're really proud of that. Shifting gears uh, just a little here, when the pandemic started back in March, uh, we saw the number of open childcare programs drop to around 30% of the programs that remained open. Uh, Governor Kemp uh, gave uh, the okay to them to do whatever was best uh, in their circumstances. We have 4,486 or around that licensed programs uh, in the state. Where are we now? Uh, and what about attendance? Right. So um, right now, over 70% of programs are open and operating. So we've, you know, we watch that on a daily basis and programs report report that to us on a regular basis. So the good news is um, we're seeing an increase and a steady increase. And we really want to see 100% because we know how important childcare is. Uh, We have anecdotal information about attendance. We don't collect that um, for child care programs specifically, but just talking to providers around the state, overall attendance is down. Um, And so, you know, we talk to them about why, and um, they say, you know, it's a number of reasons. Um, Maybe the parent doesn't need the care because maybe they're able to work from home and can manage the child care at home. Um, but then we also hear that parents are just still worried about bringing their children um, to childcare or to any public setting for that matter. Um, and so you've got to respect that. But um, we know how important attendance is uh, for child care programs. And so we hope that with all of the uh, safety precautions that child care has put into place over the last several months, they've gone above and beyond to make sure that uh, their classrooms and their programs are um, healthy and safe and clean and sanitized and doing temperature checks at the door and just all types of things throughout the day um, to make sure that they keep their children and their staff safe. You know, if you think about it, parents making some tough decisions, whether it's based on their being at home and working from home, or unfortunately, some losing their jobs and being at home, and maybe it's an economic question, the health question is definitely valid. How do you feel about your child being in a program at this point? Um, you would have to think there has to be an impact uh, on both pre-K attendance and in the child care programs. And we're just kind of working through those things. But as you mentioned, and if folks don't know, we've done extensive work with the Department of Public Health in creating specific guidelines uh, for child care programs in Georgia. 
We have, uh, and we were really excited to partner with the Department of Public Health to put together um, some guidance specifically for childcare programs. You know, we're all learning through COVID-19 and how to react to certain situations, and every situation seems to be just a little different. And so, um, but we also knew that childcare needed to be able to react immediately. And so um, the document's about 40 pages. I will say there are a lot of pictures in there. So it's not 40 pages of words, but it's worth a good read. I will tell you, I did review every single page and the guidance is very, very clear on exactly what childcare programs need to do. For example, um, it's not always necessary to close an entire program if there's some type of positive case of COVID. Um, right now, of course, we recommend that you keep your age groups in your classroom separate so they're not mixing on the playground, they're not mingling in the, in the cafeteria, they're really staying in their classroom so they're containing that um, in their classroom. And so usually if there is some type of positive case, they do not have to close the whole program. Usually they can just close that classroom probably for 14 days, depending on what the situation is. But childcare really needed that resource. And I think they're very grateful that we were able to do that in conjunction with the Department of Public Health. And it might be confusing to people because early on, I think the response was to close down the entire childcare program. We've learned through the process that by isolating these groups, that's not totally necessary. So um, interesting. You can read the guidelines. They're posted on our website at decal.ga.gov. Good for parents to know as well uh, what's expected of your child care providers. Uh, and as you say, it's, it's, a, it's an easy read. I also like the point that you've made a couple of times, which is that child care programs have been doing this hygiene thing for a long time. They're, they're probably the most experienced. Oh, absolutely. I would, I mean, I'd have to say after, you know, healthcare workers, um, childcare does this every day. Now, yes, they've added a few steps, but they're always washing hands and monitoring for temperatures. And, you know, they're dealing with runny noses and colds on a daily basis. So for the most part, they're, they're prepared. They know how to contain um, any type of virus that might spread and they're definitely ready to go. They know how to do it. Decal supported 3,764 licensed child care providers with over $38.8 million in short-term assistance benefit for licensed entities. We call them stable payments. These payments represent the first phase of administering $144 million Georgia received under the Federal Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Securities Act, or CARES. We love a good acronym around here. Will there be another round of stable payments? Yes, uh, there will be. Um, from the beginning, we said, you know, we really wanted to do this in phases to see what the impact was, what the situation might be at the current time. We really wanted to be conservative in how we spent the $144 million that we received. But we also said from the beginning, we know this money was sent to us for it to go directly to child care programs because we know that child care programs are suffering. Either they close or they have low enrollment. And that, quite frankly, just hurts their bottom line and their ability to stay open while at the same time, we know um, how important they are, not only for the early education benefit for young children, but also for those families to be able to work every day. And so that first round of almost $39 million in stable payments um, went out in the May-June timeframe. Uh, we like to use data to make our next decisions. And so we did a survey of all, all child care programs to find out um, about the process of stable, but about um, how they were able to use those funds and then what were their additional needs. And it overwhelmingly said 
Um, the stable process was great. It was very easy uh, to navigate. We used the funds to either um, keep pay for facilities, pay for extra PPE, um, pay for staff, but we still need additional funds to be able to survive um, the impact of the pandemic. So as a result of that, we will be doing another round of stable payments. Uh, probably in the next two weeks, we'll have an official announcement on exactly how all that will work, um, but it's coming very, very soon for child care programs across the state. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about getting these funds out as quickly as possible. I know that was a priority. Once they were received, we wanted to get them into the hands of child care providers, but you're at least taking the time on the back end of that to make sure everything's running smoothly before we go with the second round, all research-based. So I think that's, that's good. In August, we received over $17 million from the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Funding set aside by the CARES Act to support initiatives across all levels of education in Georgia. The funding allowed us to create supporting on-site learning for virtual education, the SOLVE program to provide additional childcare options for students ages 5 to 12 whose school systems have opted for virtual learning. In addition, it will allow parents who need to return to work to have a secure option for their child, ensuring that they are under professional care and uh, in a safe environment. Solve program. How is that being received? You know, it's going really well, and I have to uh, give kudos to the governor and his staff um, for bringing this um, idea to DECAL's attention so that we could help out with creating Solve program from the very um, beginning. We had about two weeks to get it up and running, and our staff did it very successfully uh, we all recognize that parents are struggling right now with how to manage their work life and their personal life, especially in add on top of that. And my child is at home with me during virtual learning because that's the option uh, that my school system chose. And so we know how important it is um, for parents if they need to actually go to work to go to an office or go to a building or go to their work site. They need to have access to um, a healthy, safe environment like a child care program that can support that student during virtual learning. Um, we also don't want students to fall behind academically. We know if they're in that that type of program, um, they will be supported academically and will not fall behind. So the SOLVE program provides financial assistance to pay for that support. Um, you know, a lot of parents were not expecting this expense. It can be really expensive. Um, I've heard of programs that charge $250 a week. And as you can imagine, that would be something that a family was not planning for. They hadn't budgeted for, they hadn't saved for. And so now they're having to make some some really tough decisions in order to um, do the best thing for their child. So the SOLVE program uh, provides that financial assistance. Um, we're in about week five of the SOLVE program and over 2,700 scholarships have been issued um, all over the state. And so um, we're still seeing, you know, applications to continue to come in and uh, we're excited that we're able to provide this financial assistance to parents. So families can still apply if they're in those circumstances of the virtual learning. They sure can. And so I think an important change that we made originally. So originally you were only eligible if your student attended a school system that was 100% virtual, that you didn't have the option of uh, being virtual or going in person. But, you know, quickly everything changes, it feels like on a dime these days. And so what we began to see was school systems were starting to give options or they were starting to go back in person very slowly. They might be adding certain grades. Um, they might be going back an hour a week. And so we knew that parents would still need support during those times. So 
we expanded the eligibility and I want to, if this gets confusing when we say it, but I want to make sure everybody knows that um, the eligibility has been expanded. So if your student is, is in a school system and they have not gone back in person for all grades K through seventh um, and your student is in one of those grades, you could still be eligible. And if your and or if your school system has gone back, but they're only going back part time. So they're in 50% or less your student could still be eligible for the South scholarship. So we've been able to adapt and expand this knowing that parents will still need um, a safe, secure, supported place for their child to go during virtual learning. So we have two sites for you. If you're interested in applying for the SOLVE program, you can, first of all, find a provider uh, that is accepting SOLVE program students at qualityrated.org. And then you can apply once you find the provider nearest you. And by the way, there's a great search engine on there that you can plug in your address, uh, whether that's your work address, your home address, find something that's in close proximity to you. Any number of criteria, you can search by zip code. Uh, that's at qualityrated.org. And then you can apply for the program through Gateway, G-A-T-E-W-A-Y, gateway.ga.org. Gov, and we encourage you uh, to do that. Lots of changes. You know, we're hearing every day school systems saying, okay, we're back. And then a few weeks later, okay, we're back home again. <laughs> so, it, yeah, we have to be flexible. You really do. Um, and I know sometimes people criticize government agencies for not being the most flexible. Well, we're learning. <laughs> I think we're doing a pretty good job and uh, learning how to flow with it. If COVID hasn't taught us that, hasn't taught us anything. All right, let's move to quality rated. That's Georgia's system to determine, improve, and communicate the quality of programs that provide child care. They're like rating systems for restaurants or hotels. Quality rated assigns one, two, or three stars to early education and school age programs that meet or exceed the minimum state requirements. After launching in 2012, today, 69% of all licensed childcare programs in Georgia are quality rated. And we haven't talked a lot about quality rated and especially that deadline of December 31st, 2020 for all CAPS providers to be quality rated in order to continue receiving CAPS funding. Um, here's the question. What impact has COVID had on this program? And what about that deadline? Has it been extended? Yes. So that's a great question. So, you know, COVID has impacted everything that we do at DECAL and uh, a big part of receiving that quality rated star rating is an on-site assessment uh, for multiple hours in multiple classrooms um, by our quality rated assessors. So obviously as programs close or they had low enrollment or um, they didn't have their regular staff and uh, we don't really want additional visitors in programs at this point. We could not do those in-person assessments. And so we knew for all those reasons that uh, we needed to extend the quality rated deadline. So we have extended the deadline uh, for programs to become quality rated in order to continue to receive CAPS funding to December 31st of 2021. Uh, we knew that was important. We got to give programs um, a chance to get back on their feet and get back into some type of normal routine. And so we hope that that will be a sufficient deadline, but it's an important deadline for us to keep um, because we've been making so much progress. Um, we're still able to uh, rate some programs. We have some alternative routes to rating that we're just now developing and rolling out because we want programs that have that opportunity um, to maintain and improve on the quality that already exists. And so I know we'll talk about that in future podcasts, but the good news is 
82% of children that receive CAPS are in quality rated programs, and we continue to see that number increase every month, even during COVID-19 and the pandemic. So things are still moving in the right direction. We have uh, granted an extension until December 31st of 2021, and uh, we're excited about all the different opportunities that will come with that. Do you kind of see for the program overall, this is a way for providers to kind of tell the world that they're going above and beyond the minimum requirements of health and safety? Absolutely. This is really that next level of quality. Um, it's really about the, the early learning component, which we, we know is so important for brain development. And, you know, we want parents to know that there's, you know, there is a difference. And so, you know, look for quality rated childcare and, and programs go above and beyond to get this rating. It's not easy to obtain a one, two or three star. And so uh, we've continued to make momentum and we know that parents are beginning more and more to really seek out quality rated childcare. We're going to have uh, Dr. Bentley Ponder and uh, Denise Jensen on with us in a couple of weeks talking about those changes and some of the virtual things that uh, they're able uh, to do. But make no mistake, this is not filling out a form, mailing it in, and getting a quality rating. It takes a couple of months uh, at, um, at minimum because there's a, um, a lot of steps. You know, there's classroom observations. There's a portfolio uh, that you have to present. This is a... Uh, it's a very distinguished rating once you get it. And really, if you get one, two, or three stars, you have every reason to be proud, regardless of, uh, of rating level. Absolutely. Any rating is a good rating. And uh, that's why we think it's important for us to develop these alternative pathways um, to becoming rated. And if you're just hearing about this for the first time, whether you're a provider or a parent, go to qualityrated.org. There's a lot of information there about the program, kind of explains how it works. Um, COVID sort of threw a curve at us, uh, as it did a lot of things uh, for the year 2020. But um, it's very interesting that it's still growing, even in the midst of uh, the pandemic. I mean, I think that's a, a silver lining in all of this. Um, really good news that we continue to see growth in all of those numbers around quality rated, and we'll continue to see more. So um, we know that programs are committed to quality even during uh, the pandemic. Yeah, making progress. 69% all licensed childcare programs in Georgia, quality rated. I think that covers everything we heard from social media. If you have a question and we didn't cover it today, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll post something on our social every now and then and just say, do you have a question? But anytime you have a question for Commissioner Jacobs about decal programs, you can send us an email at decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. And uh, next time we'll have some guests, but it was fun talking this way. Well, thank you, Reg. It's <laughs> always to be in the hot seat. It's always good to be in the hot seat. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hello, I'm Rhonda Parker, and I'm a Child Care Services Director for DECAL here in the lovely city of College Park. And my question for the commissioner is, Child Care Services, affectionately known as CCS, has been doing virtual visits for licensed child care programs. Commissioner, have you been able to participate in one? Hey, Rhonda, it is good to um, hear your voice since I don't get to see you as often anymore. But um, yes, I have participated in a virtual visit with one of the CCS consultants. Uh, we visited a program down in Valdosta, and I was so impressed with the process and using the technology. It went really smoothly. The consultant was able to see 
everything she needed to see and asked the questions um, that she needed to ask. And she got answers to all those questions. And the provider uh, seemed to really um, understand the technology. It went really, really smoothly. Um, and now I have to say it doesn't replace an in-person visit, but under these circumstances, I think it went really well. It's getting us the information that we need. It's helping us maintain um, healthy and safe childcare programs. And I think, you know, part of that, what we've learned, we'll probably be able to use some of that uh, going forward to cut down on some of our travel time for our consultants. So it went really well. And I'm proud of the work that CCS has done to create and develop virtual visits. You know, I know we've had Pam Stevens, our Deputy Commissioner of Child Care Services, on to talk about virtual visits and kind of walk us through that process. I'm curious, uh, the visit that you went along on, uh, did they use a phone, an iPad? How, how do they show you their center? So uh, you have an option, and the uh, visit that I was on, the provider used a phone. And so, you know, she knew how to flip it around so we could either see her or we could see the classroom or a closet or supplies or the playground or whatever. So I think for the most part, a phone is just easier, and that's probably what most providers are using, and that's what um, the provider that um, I saw, she had her phone and was using it very easily. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, And about how long did it take? This was a smaller program, so they only had an after-school program, so it wasn't, you know, a a big center that had infants all the way up to school age, so it wasn't as as large as that. I want to say it took about 30 or 45 minutes, Um, so not not terribly long, but again, it wasn't, you know, a very, it wasn't a large program with lots of different age groups. Doesn't replace, let's repeat, doesn't replace the in-person visit, but a great um, option to have in cases like this. Absolutely. Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers received. You can email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. How many licensed childcare programs in Georgia? How many licensed childcare programs are in Georgia? Answer that correctly. We'll put all the correct answers together. Draw out one name. You'll win a nice prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.